This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. One man wages war against an entire town in an unflinching exploration of war, obedience, and trauma. It's First Blood, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. This is another one of our patron Academy Award winner requests. We're doing First Blood, as you heard in the intro. Uh, we wanted to give a shout out to the person who requested this movie and uh, book combo, and that is our $15 patron, Gratch, just Gratch, over on Patreon. Appreciate you supporting us, and uh, we're glad, happy to get to your request. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash the film is lit. Support us for two, five, or $15 a month, and you get different things depending on the levels. But like we mentioned, at the $15 level, you get priority recommendations. Uh, Gratch recommended this a while ago. Like we didn't, we don't get right to, you know, it's not yeah. the next one on our list. We got stuff kind of planned out, but we figure out somewhere to work it in sooner rather than later, and we've done a few of them now. Uh, and yeah, that's why we're doing First Blood, and I'm glad we did, because neither of us had seen this movie, and you hadn't read the book, and now we're both better for having done so. Or more, we're more learned, <laughs> more read, and more watched. Um, we have all of our normal segments in this episode, literally every single one. That's a rarity. I don't know if it's a rarity, but it's, it's a, I think it's a rarity to have every single one. A lot of times yeah. we're missing one or the other, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But let's get to our first segment. Let me sum up let me explain no there is too much let me sum up so uh if you haven't seen first blood uh or it's been a long time we're gonna give a brief uh, i'm gonna give a brief rundown of the plot uh it's kind of a just a a refresher or if you've never seen it at all and you have no interest in seeing it and you want to kind of be able to follow along as we're discussing some of the stuff uh, and not feel completely lost this uh i assume these are similar enough that i can there's going to be points where they diverge obviously i know the ending in particular but Overall, the storylines are similar enough. Yeah, they're similar enough. That we're just going to do one uh, summation here, one summary. Uh, and so I'll j- jump into that real quick before we get to guess who. So uh, Rambo is a Vietnam War vet who is uh, traveling along the West Coast in the movie. Uh, where he's traveling is not super important necessarily. Ne- at least it doesn't seem to be. Mm-mm. Maybe a little bit in the movie. We'll talk about that. But he's traveling uh, Vietnam War vet who's back from the war. He's traveling. He ends up in a town. Uh, he's just looking for a friend. Well, whether or not that's in the book, maybe we'll get to. But he's just uh, he's kind of just wandering around. He ends up in this town. Wants to find a place to eat. The local sheriff, uh, Tiesel, picks him up, uh, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing around here?" And he goes, "Oh, nothing." And uh, instantly, this sheriff does not like him because he's uh, got a vagrant look about him, and the sheriff doesn't want any of that in his town, his good, quiet little town. They like it quiet. Um, so he picks him up and says, oh yeah, you can get something to eat. You just go a couple hours down the road, uh, and drops him off at the edge of town. 
Uh, Rambo was like, screw that. I'm eating here. There's, any, there's no law against me eating here. And so he walks back into town. Uh, the sheriff sees him. Uh, there's a confrontation, and the sheriff arrests him. Uh, and then this moment sparks, uh, we find out, some PTSD as he's being booked into the police station for uh, vagrancy and resisting arrest and all these things um, to his Vietnam days where he was a prisoner of war. Uh, and this causes some flashbacks and, like I said, some PTSD triggering type of things happen. He ends up uh, breaking out of the prison, fighting all the guards, going on the run, uh, and into the woods, basically, getting chased. And then he he, he disappears into the, the, in the movie, the Washington Woods, I believe, or Oregon, I think it's Washington. And uh, they basically send out a huge party of people after him because this, this sheriff really doesn't like him and won't let him just, you know, disappear. He's got to go get him. And uh, Rambo proceeds to take out... In, in differing ways in the movie and the book, but we'll get to that. Uh, take out all of his pursuers. It turns out he's a very um, accomplished Green Beret in the movie. He's a Green Beret um, in the, that was in the Vietnam War, and he was he's specializing in guerrilla warfare and that sort of thing. So he's very good at uh, sort of fighting in bad odds and in the woods and in the in the suck, as they would call it, I think, back in Nam. I'm pretty sure <laughs> if, if, if Forrest Gump didn't lie to me, um, which we'll get to eventually. Uh, he ends up taking all these guys out, uh, and then they send more and more people. The Army Reserves show up, and it's this big struggle between Rambo and all of these uh, authoritarian figures. And then it leads to a final confrontation in the movie. We'll get into the differences between him and uh, Tiesel, and eventually him and his old general from Vietnam. And they and and Rambo sort of breaks down. Uh, and explains that he doesn't, you know, fit in anywhere anymore. He's he doesn't know how to do anything. He's he was, you know, he was a specialized killing machine, and now he's <laughs> what does he do now? Um, and and it's a very um, brutal and sort of crushing uh, look into the the mind of somebody who's been at war and that sort of thing. And in the way it ends differs, and we'll get to that. Uh, like I said, between the movie and the book, but that's the rough. There's a, there's an ending to the story there. After he has gone to war with this town, uh, and they end it, it ends a couple different ways, um, depending on the medium. So that's roughly the story. Let's get into the game show portion. Guess who? Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. So we have four descriptions this time of various characters. Okay. So our first one here short and chunky. Wrinkles around his eyes and shallow pockmarks in his cheeks that gave him a grain like weathered board. Top button of his shirt open, tie loose, the front of his shirt soaked dark with sweat. Hmm. Short and chunky. Wrinkles around his eyes, shallow pockmarks in his cheeks that gave him a grain. He's wearing a tie, front of his shirt soaked with sweat. The short and chunky makes me lead to believe that that may be Teasel, Teasel, however you pronounce the the sheriff's name. Um, because uh, I believe Sylvester Stallone, I believe Rambo's rather short, but I wouldn't describe him as chunky. He's very muscular uh, and fit. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's particularly tall. In it. I, I don't actually know for sure, but I, I'm not. I think he's not super tall. But uh, Chunky wouldn't make sense for what we're, is about to happen for the rest of the story of him running through the mountains forever and, you know, being a super uh, war machine. So I'm going to guess it's not Rambo, uh, although some of the other elements could dependingly fit with the 
top shirt open and he wouldn't be wearing a tie so it doesn't make sense but he could be sweaty because he's been traveling who knows but i'm gonna say that that's teasel because he probably wears a tie as the sheriff yes yeah okay is his name teasel in the yes okay Sylvester Stallone, in case anyone is now wondering, is 5'10", according to the internet. I thought he wasn't super... Like, that's not short or anything, but I didn't think he was particularly tall. Right. Yeah. All right, so that was Teasel, which Uh was how I was saying it when I was reading the book. Yeah, Teasel, Teasel, I could see either way, yeah. So our next one, then. He had a long, heavy beard, and his hair was hanging down over his ears to his neck. He wore mud-crusted boots, rumpled jeans ripped at the cuffs and patched on one thigh, a blue sweatshirt speckled with what looked like dry blood, and a buckskin jacket. Okay, well this, um, so the main difference here that we see, uh, I'm assuming that this is Rambo based on, I I wish Stallone had had a beard. That would have been cool if Rambo had had a freaking beard. But uh, I can say fucking because this is no way. If you're watching this, if you watched First Blood, you're you're old enough to hear the F. They say it several times in the movie. The movie's rated R. Um, but I think uh, it would have to be Rambo. I Like I said, I'm going to be disappointed that he doesn't have a beard. Uh, the longer hair, uh, the jeans that are kind of, you know, the muddy shoes. He's got the look of somebody who's well-traveled and that, that a sheriff seeing walking through his town may, may think. And he's got, oh, apparently blood on his shirt you know, may think he's up to no good or something mm-hmm. if he's profiling. So I'm going to say that's Rambo. That is Rambo. There you go. And to me, aside from the beard, one of the biggest differences is that he's not wearing an army jacket. That was the other like thing I was going to get to. I, I got sidetracked on the beard. But that was the other thing I was going to get to is that he's not wearing any sort of fatigues, which yeah. in the movie he has an army jacket, his his old Vietnam army mm-hmm. jacket of some sort um, that he's wearing, which immediately signif- signals him as a, a vet. Yes. Um, but yeah. That was those are the two big differences, the beard and the jacket, so all right, up next. The top of his head was shiny bald, white hair on both sides. He had his glasses and a nylon green jacket, green denim pants, high laced field boots. Hmm. I'm trying to think of other people this could be. I think this this probably makes most sense as his glasses and green. I think this guy had a green jacket and green denim pants and or green pants, I think. Um, and he was bald, I believe. And this is the guy who dies in the movie. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember his name. He's the some other police officer. The mean, the really mean one. The really mean one who tries in the movie tries to shoot. He's on the helicopter and he tries yeah. to shoot Rambo a few was times. Galt. Galt. Yeah, yeah, I believe that is. Um, and and then he ends up falling out of the helicopter and dying in the movie. I assume that this is him. This is not him. Okay. This is Orval, who's the old man that brings the dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah, Who's he's... a much bigger character in the book than oh, he is in the movie. Okay, because I was like, he's not in the movie very much. <laughs> no, he's not. And he's wearing, uh, like, a. I think he's wearing a, I don't know if he's wearing green. I think he's wearing, like, a blue denim jacket with, like, the... Like a like a like a lambskin or like yeah. a like a he kind of looks like a stereotypical like um like an Irish 
like farmer yeah like in the movies where he's got yeah like the lambskin jacket and like a little hat yeah he's got the little hat uh, he kind of looks like the stereotypical character that would have bloodhounds in yeah. a movie that yeah. he looks like the character that he is maybe that's because characters are based on him i don't actually know <laughs> of the guy who has the you know who the the police call in with the dogs to go find the criminal he looks like that character yeah and so maybe he's based on that character or other of those characters are based on him I, from this movie i'm not sure but <laughs> A little bit different there, because the green, all all green. I think uh, what's his name, Galt or whatever, or whatever he said. I think he has on like that kind of olive, or is it, yeah, like, like police, almost like vaguely yeah. police, vaguely military colors. Yeah, yeah, that like olivey tan, yeah, color. That's what I was thinking when I saw green, but sure. Yep. Okay. So first one wrong. Oh well. All right, last one. His uniform molded perfectly to his body, not a fold or a wrinkle. In the dark, his skin seemed the color of lead. He had short black hair combed straight back, a thin face, a sharp chin. I'm going to assume, because this person's in uniform, uh, one of the only main characters, uh, the only character we see in uniform that isn't like a police officer. When you say uniform, I'm assuming military. The only one we see in like a dress uniform that this would make sense with uh, is Trout- Troutman, I believe is his name, which is the old general, uh, Rambo's old general mm-hmm. from Nam. It is Troutman. Yeah, I figured. So three for four. Not too bad. Yeah, not uh, bad. Pretty straightforward. Uh, the, and I think the one I missed could have... I, I, it makes sense either way. But Oh, well. Three for four. Not too bad. All right. We're going to move on and really get into the meat and bones of it and talk... Uh, I'm going to ask the question. Is that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read... So, uh, we're going to get through this, try to get through this kind of quick because we have a lot to talk about later. I have a lot of questions here and this could take a long time, but I think we're going to discuss a lot of this. Uh, certain elements of this we'll definitely discuss more in Better in the Book, Better in the Movie and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So, first off, uh, the movie opens up and we jump right in with the fact that this is not going to be a fun movie necessarily. It's not, you know, this is really, that was one of the things that I realized after watching this and, and I think I knew it going in, but I in general, as like cultural idea, I didn't realize this was such a depressing movie. Yeah. Until I like read a little bit more about it in preparation for the prequel and stuff, and then knowing what I did of finding out about the book and stuff, and then I realized, oh, this isn't like I said. My I said in the prequel that my idea of this movie was that it's like Predator, but in the woods and or like in in America <laughs> and like the bad guys of the government. That's I mean. Sh- Kind of, but not in at all in the sense that Predator is like a fun action movie. That's it's a horror movie, action movie, but it's like a fun. It is really. And this is not. No, this is not fun, and it is interesting. I think, and we can talk about it more later if you want to. For me, like only knowing about this character through like cultural osmosis, yeah, the way that this character has been mythologized. And because I, it's not at all like what we see in this movie. And I think that's a result, if I had to guess. Now, I, I said I've seen one of the sequels, I think, but I saw it in, like, high school. and I Like, the one that came out in 2008 or whatever. I think mm-hmm. I went and saw it, like, in high school or right after high school or whatever, and I don't remember anything about it. My guess is that that sort of cultural mythology about Rambo, quote-unquote, and why nobody remembers that this movie is called First Blood is because they remember the character Rambo, and I think a lot of that comes from the later movies, I'm which I want to sure, talk about yeah. later because I have a whole like note about the 
the idea of even making more movies after this one about this character is wild. It was super wild. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So I think that's where that comes from and not at all from this movie. Yeah. And it's also why nobody remembers that this movie's called First Blood and not Rambo. Because people remember Rambo. They don't remember John Rambo from First Blood. <laughs> is my guess. At least most people. Obviously, people see and love this movie. It's a very popular movie. But the cultural idea of yeah. Rambo. Um, so, does the book start the same way? Because in the movie, he, runs in, he, he walks into town. He finds this house. He's looking for an old war buddy of his. Um, and he goes to this house and he asks if he's there and the woman is very short with him at first and then explains that no, he died of cancer. His war buddy died of cancer uh, that he got from Agent Orange in the war. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's immediately just like devastating and, and awful. Um, and uh, it's a great filmmaking because it immediately puts you, you know, uh, and, and Sylvester Stallone does a great job with it. You're immediately very sympathetic to um, Rambo's character. Is that how the book starts? No, we don't get any of that at the beginning of the book. Um, the book starts out with Rambo basically trying to hitchhike at a gas station. Um, so we don't even know that he's a vet until like a few chapters in. Yeah, interesting. I think that's a... Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Does the sheriff immediately hate him and immediately take him to the edge of town and kick him out? And then on top of that, does Rambo immediately upon being kicked out of town go screw this and just like walk back in and that's when the confrontation happens? Because I thought that was interesting and not what I was expecting sort of how I wasn't how I was expecting the sort of inciting incident to play out to be so like quick and like um, uh, uh, just like abrupt in the sense of like he's. He drops him off at the edge of town, and then Rambo walks back in, and the and the sheriff just sees him. <laughs> like I was expecting, like the sheriff to drive away. He walks back in, uh, and then later the sheriff runs into him at the diner or something, and is like, "Hey, I thought you know." Like that's what I was expecting. It was just interesting to me that it was so abrupt. Is that what happens in the book? Um, kind of. That is what happens. He does like drive him out of town, and Rambo like turns back around and walks back into town. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit more to it that I want to talk about in one of my segments. Okay, cool. Uh, next question. Does Rambo have a big fuck off knife? No, he doesn't have any weapons to start out with. Wild. He gains all of his weaponry. I was cheating on this one. I knew this because when I was doing my movie research, I found this note. Um, but I had to ask because I thought that's interesting because it is one of the most well-known sort of Rambo characteristics is his, uh, his big, his big, uh, Bowie knife thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, survival knife that he has that he unscrews. It has like, uh, like the, he has like a compass. It has in a it, compass, right? a compass in the stock, and uh, <laughs> and it has a, uh, the only other thing I think we see specifically. I think it it might have matches. I don't remember how he lights the. He might either have a lighter or he, he, he yeah, may have matches have. in there. I know a lot of times survival knives come with matches. I don't know if it did or not. But the one thing, other thing we for sure see is that he has like a needle and thread, which mm-hmm. is how he sews himself up later in the movie. Um, but he doesn't have it in the book. It's interesting because it it this movie and made that that particular knife super popular. Yeah. Because of this film, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but it's not in the book. Does Rambo uh, start having PTSD flashbacks uh, after he's arrested? He's being booked into the station and he starts having these flashbacks to being a POW in Nam 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 whatever. <laughs> um, he says Nam in the movie. In my head, I always say Nam because Vietnam, so Nam, yeah. but. I don't know. Maybe it's like a regional dialect thing. Um, As he's being booked, or maybe it's a time period thing. I don't know. Maybe back then, Nam was more common, where now Nam, I don't know. Anyways, 
uh, and uh, he starts having PTSD, and then uh, eventually the thing that really sets him off and what gets him to eventually break out of the prison is that they try to shave him. Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't have a beard in this moment, he just has like some stubble, like a five o'clock shadow. They're gonna shave him to put him into prison, uh, and the knife and and like them coming at him with a knife like really sets him off, and that's when he breaks out. Is that what happens in the book? Um, yes, um, he starts having flashbacks while he's being booked, like when they want him to go down in the hole. Yeah, um, and then the shaving is the thing that. Like yeah. ultimately sets him off, and he kind of goes bananas and breaks out. Does the movie imply or reference the fact that it is to like being tortured in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like being like, because he's he has these scars on his chest from Nam in the movie where he has like they were like cutting him or something while they mm-hmm. had him prisoner or something like that. So interesting. Is there after he breaks out of prison, he steals a dirt bike, which just rips a guy off a dirt bike. <laughs> he posted a picture of that today on social media. He rips a guy off a dirt bike uh, and drives away, uh, and it leads to a big big police chase well it, the sheriff specifically starts chasing him uh and he's on a motorcycle and or a dirt bike and uh sheriff's in his car does that happen in the book uh yeah he does rip um it's another cop in, oh, the, okay. in the book um he rips a, another cop off of a motorcycle yeah and um uses that to make his getaway and um Tiesel does chase him and he eventually he's able to get away like into the mountainy forested area yeah. because he's on a, a bike yeah and not a car interesting because if he pulled a cop off it odds are it would be an actual like street motorcycle yeah in the book as opposed to in the movie it is like an actual dirt bike which mm-hmm. is much more suited to being off-road and driving yeah. through because that's what it is. I was immediately like after he gets the motor or the dirt bike in the movie he's like driving down the streets for a long time and I'm like dude <laughs> And he's being chased by a cop car. I'm like, dude, get off the road. You're on a dirt bike. You can drive, like, almost anywhere. And then he does eventually, and that's yeah. how he gets away, kind of. But I just thought it was funny at first. I'm like, get off the road. I don't think road. he's off-road for very long on the motorcycle yeah. in the book. But yeah. he does use it to, like, get into an area that they yeah. can't follow him. And it would have, like, sense, too, because he does, although it's not, un, it doesn't not make sense in the movie, but in the movie, he, he has to abandon the dirt bike because he's driving up a hill and he and he sort of, uh, he, he over-revs it and it flips out from under him because it's too steep of a hill. Yeah. Which makes sense, like, if you've ever ridden a dirt bike and you're, if you're not, like, a super competent dirt bike rider, <laughs> which I don't see why he would have a lot of experience, but he's enough that he can kind of get around on one. I have enough that I could drive around on a motorcycle or a dirt bike, at least. But uh, if I was trying to go up a hill like that, I would very likely, oh, you know, not have my weight distributed the right way and flip it out from under me and be like, oh, oh well. <laughs> and yeah. just run off. But if it's a street motorcycle, that would make sense that eventually once he gets to the mountains, he can't at all yeah. get it, you know, anywhere. Uh, so a lot of say they're chasing him for a long time. A lot of stuff happens. But eventually he gets to a cliff, big cliff in the movie, big exciting moment. And I think this is before Cliffhanger because Sylvester Stallone's also in a movie called Cliffhanger that's like about <laughs> mountain climbing. And I thought that was interesting. And I don't know where they, they fall in the timeline. But uh, my guess is that this is before Cliffhanger. Just looking at it still, I think from like the poster, I've never seen Cliffhanger, but the poster of Cliffhanger in my head, he looks older. So maybe this is why he got maybe, the maybe. Yeah, they were impressed with his cliffhanging skills. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but he so he has to climb down this giant cliff, um, this rock cliff that he's on. And it looks pretty realistic. Like it's really I was impressed by like the the tension in him climbing down it didn't look super fake which i think is a big criticism of cliffhangers that it's like super silly like mountain climbing and this one it's like realistic (laughs) him like sliding down and like in cracks and stuff it looks fairly good to my eye um and but eventually he's he kind of gets stuck and they this is when the helicopter shows up and starts shooting at him Mm -hmm. and he can't he doesn't he can't go anywhere and he sees this big 
giant pine tree like below him uh and he has no choice and he jumps from the cliff face into the tree and uses the limbs of the tree to break his fall so he doesn't just you know fall 200 feet to the ground or whatever uh, and die um and he falls through the tree and i was it's a cool scene and uh seems probably realistic ish i mean he gets hurt from it i think he'd probably end up with some broken ribs and maybe he did we don't know Mm -hmm. but uh he survives that. Is that in the book? Yeah. Uh, he does uh, jump off the cliff. He uses the trees to break his fall. I think it's interesting that you said broken ribs because he does break ribs doing yeah. that in the book. Yeah. And then he has to like grapple with having a broken rib for you know, the rest of the story. You know, it's funny. I'm just realizing this is probably the part that uh, what's his name was talking about in the review that I read. Um uh, the critic, uh, mm-hmm. Leonard Malton, who says the movie loses all credibility when he jumps onto some rocks, oh. <laughs> and which is hilarious because he doesn't jump under. He jumps into the tree, and he only ends up with one cut that we see in the movie, but I just assumed he also had broken ribs, yeah. and we, they just... He doesn't say it out loud because it's not a terrible film. Like, he's not like, oh, my broken ribs. And right. You who would he say that yeah, to? Yeah. Well, who would he say it to? And you don't do anything for broken ribs necessarily. Like, there's yeah. not really much you can do. He could try to wrap himself somehow, but it wouldn't really make any sense. So, yeah. Um, I think that's the part I was talking about. And I, to me, this actually felt fairly realistic. Like, he would be messed up and injured, but I, it didn't seem completely outlandish that you could survive that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Anyways. Um, but it is, it's funny that I just thought, I was like, oh, that's probably the part he's talking about. I think you're wrong, Leonard Moulton. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's in the book. So there's this character in the film uh, named Mitch, who's one of the cops. Uh, he's played by David Caruso, who if you, uh, you most people would know from CSI of Miami as the mm-hmm. main character, like the main detective. The guy who takes off his sunglasses. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> that guy. Um, the redhead. Uh, he's in this film, a very young him, and he... Uh, He's like the good cop. He's like the cop who who who's like when they're booking him and everybody's being a, yeah. a jerk. He's like, guys, I don't know how I feel he's about like, this. Ah, come on, guys. Come on, guys. I thought, no, don't do. Oh, but he doesn't do anything. I, I say the yeah. good cop, but that's he's, he's the ineffectual, the ineffectual good, good cop. cop who doesn't actually do anything. So he's still a bad cop, but <laughs> <laughs> he feels bad about being a bad cop. So, um. <laughs> My point is, uh, it's an interesting character, and he's, uh, again, he's played pretty well by uh, Dave Caruso. Is he in the book, that that character? No. There are, obviously, a handful of other cops, aside from Tiesel, um, but there aren't any that I felt like directly correlated to the character of Mitch. Also, most of the cops in the book are dead within the first quarter of it, so... Spoiler! We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. All right, so then we get um, the cops are still chasing him after this point. This is after uh, the one guy's fallen out of the helicopter and died, and so they're 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 super mad at him. They're coming after him in the woods, and this is when uh, Rambo uses all of his sweet guerrilla warfare skills from Nam, uh, and he's like building traps and and hiding in trees, and he's got like a ghillie suit that he made and stuff in the movie. And at one point, he makes a big spike trap thing out of like a branch that he sharpens sticks to and then yeah, it's set to a tripwire. Time to sharpen all those sticks. Well, we saw him doing it in the movie. There's it's a, a moment sticks, where he's though. Yeah, there's a moment where we see him. He's he, and he he's got like 20 of them in his lap and he's just sharpening spear like little he's sticks. He's so good at it. Yeah. He can do it so fast. It's pretty easy to sharpen a stick into a, a spear uh with a Bowie knife. Like you can do it pretty quick. You could probably do 20 of them in like 10 or 15 minutes, I would bet. You could do it pretty quick. That's wild to me. The harder part's like tying them all, like finding the stuff to tie them all to a thing and then rigging the trap. That would take longer than sharpening the sticks, I think. Um, Anyways, as somebody with nominal (laughs) whittling skills... 
Uh, <laughs> but anyways, he uh, he makes this like big whip trap thing. Um, I don't even know what it would be called because it's. I know some of the different. It like th- whips out and the spikes yeah. stab into the guy. Yeah, because there's the, like I know some different traps. There's like snares. There's deadfalls. There's all these things. He doesn't make any of those. It's something where it whips a branch out and it and it stabs the guy in the legs. Um, and it's it's very dramatic. But is that in the book? It is not. Okay. He doesn't make a trap out of. Uh, it would be very effective against vampires if he yes. placed it about four feet higher. Because <laughs> it hits the guy like in the balls. <laughs> like, I don't. Hits the guy in the legs, which yeah. he's also very lucky that he didn't hit uh, the. Uh, there's two very important veins yeah, or some, arteries or whatever major arteries. that run up the inside of each of your legs that is just as bad as like getting your jugular hit. Yeah. And he's very lucky he didn't hit any of those because this guy survives apparently. But um, okay, no spike trap. Uh, and then after that, right after that, uh, he's now subdued all of the other cops and he confronts Teasel. He like he sneaks up on him and he gets him against a tree with a knife and he's like, just let it go. Let me leave. Let it go. And then he like leaves him. But Teasel, of course, can't let it go because he's uh, he's a jerk. Yeah, he's a bully. He's a cop. Um, <laughs> not all cops. Hashtag not all cops. Um, but a lot of them. <laughs> Boy. Uh, so. Um, does that happen in the book? That does not happen in the book. Okay. Uh, that is an interesting scene. And this is, we'll get to talk more about this later. The not killing the cops in the movie and mm-hmm. that sort of that scene of him like confronting him and being like trying to like. Trying to de-escalate. De-escalate the yeah. situation. We'll talk about that a little more later. This is a specific line question that I want to know because it's probably the best line in the movie. Uh, it's in the trailer. Uh, it was in, I think it was in, yeah, it was in the prequel. I put it in the prequel episode trailer because I cut in the trailer for the prequel episode. Uh, it's a great line. And I don't remember exactly the first part of it. I think he says, you telling me if I send 200 men, he'll win. He says something like that. Teasel does. Uh, and, but this part is verbatim. And the general, uh, general, uh, Troutman Troutman says, send that many. You better remember one thing. Teasel says, what? And Troutman says, a good supply of body bags. <laughs> great line. It's a great action movie line. This movie, that particular scene is maybe the worst part of the movie. At least has aged the, the poorest. Mm-hmm. Is their sort of back and forth about how badass Rambo is. In my eyes, that is the only part of the movie that has aged poorly. And it's because probably that it's just been done a lot since then. And it's yeah. a staple of bad action movies because bad action movies rip off First Blood and stuff all the time. Of the, like, he's the best of the best. Oh, you're going you're gonna to go after him with how many men? Huh, that's 20 dead men. You, send you know, <laughs> like, it's become a cliche at this point. Right. And it's... Uh, it's probably the part, to me, of the movie that aged the worst in terms of, like watching it and being like nah, kind of rolling my eyes at it uh i think maybe at the time in the moment it wouldn't have felt quite as cliche probably mm-hmm. um even then it was probably still a little cliche it's not like the 70s didn't have action <laughs> not like there weren't action <laughs> there was tons of westerns and stuff before this so i'm sure this kind of scenes existed before but anyways is that specific line about the body bags I don't recall that specific line being in the book. You didn't recall it, so I did some quick Googling, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I did some quick Googling to see if it was in the book and didn't see anything. So it looks like it is a movie creation. Uh, Another one, uh, following the write-up with that, is uh, the name drop of the film. 
uh, Rambo's on the radio with his old general, and the general's like, why don't you come on in? You don't, we don't have to go any further with this. And Rambo's like explaining to him why this has all gone the way it has. And he says, they drew first blood, not me. They drew first blood. It's the name of the movie and the book. <laughs> Is that in the book? I don't recall that one being in the book either. Does he get on the horn with the general at some point? Does that scene happen? I didn't ask about that. Um, Do you remember that at all? It's a much later on okay. He when he's... um. He's driving a stolen cop car, which is kind of the scene that's... With the truck? Yeah, with the truck. Um, And he does, like, he gets on the radio at that point and talks to him for a few minutes, but I don't... You don't remember they drew first blood? I I like to think I would have remembered a title drop in the book. The title drop, (laughs) to me, seems like much more of a movie Uh, thing than a book thing. thing. Um, So that, yeah. So there's a whole sequence where uh, eventually Rambo ends up in a mine um, that it's kind of where he's like his base of operations in the woods while he's hiding. And uh, they track him to the mine through the, the radio call that he does. And they so they send all the the army reserves come in <clears throat> and they all show up and they send all the army reserves to like quarantine off this mine and watch it. And Teasel's like, don't do anything. Just stand there and don't let them leave. Uh, but the. And the army reserves are there to play military because they, you know, specifically one guy. The rest of them aren't really that super interested in it. But mm-hmm. the one, the leader, I don't know, the captain or whatever of this military or of this army reserve squad uh, is he's like, screw that. I'm we're going to kill this guy because, you know, and that was an interesting scene and an interesting another uh, interesting portrayal in the movie of sort of <laughs> um like toxic masculinity yeah. and 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 another one of those scenes where we get another another moment of uh somebody getting a little bit of power and just running and just away, running with, away it. with it in yeah. the same way that teasel sort of does um is that scene and, and then so they shoot a rocket into the mine and blow it up and they think they killed rambo uh but he ends up escaping and getting out but mm-hmm. uh is that scene in the in the book <clears throat> um so there are like army reserve um or guardsmen maybe yeah national in the guard book or yeah something. like national guard or something um so there there's less of an idea that they're like playing army in the book than there yeah. is in the in the movie um the mine collapse in the book rambo actually collapses the mine entrance on oh, purpose interesting because they're like hot on his tail and he doesn't want to get sh- like he's like okay I'm gonna surrender but I don't want them to just immediately shoot me so I right. need some kind of a buffer so he collapses the mine entrance on purpose intending to surrender and then he lights the torch back there and sees the smoke and realizes that there's another exit somewhere and he's um. like nah fuck that I'm gonna go deeper into the mine oh so he lights the torch and then the smoke goes yeah the smoke goes <laughs> yeah which I kind of like, do that in the movie yeah well at least that's how he eventually gets to the exit he the torch like does mm-hmm. the the draft thing mm-hmm. um and he notices there's another that he's he's close to a way out okay cool the rats are zero as he goes deeper into the mine uh there's this horror this is a great very effective piece of filmmaking um in terms of the claustrophobia where like He's he's in these tunnels in this mine and he's like crouching down it in keeps water. Smaller it's and smaller and smaller and the water oh. is like super high and it's that thing where if you have any sort of like claustrophobia or I'm not even particularly claustrophobic, but being yeah. in caves with water and not knowing how small the next part of it's gonna be or how you're you know, uh, that's a no for me. That's gonna be a big no <laughs> for me, dog. 
Um, and then eventually it, it leads to a big moment where he, he, he gets into this chamber and it's full of rats and they're like all over him and stuff. Um, and I, again, rats aren't really a big, I don't care about rats. Like rats are fine. They don't really creep me out, but in a cave in that <laughs> yeah. situation, I would not be on board. A cave full of rats? No. Nah, I... no thanks. Um, I mean, it'd be worse if it was like spiders, but <laughs> for me at least, but, uh, is that scene in the book? Uh, no, no rats, but there is a similar scene with bats and beetles. Oh, that would both be worse to me. I would rather yeah. deal with rats, I think, than bats and beetles. Maybe not. Maybe not beetles. Wouldn't mean depending on how many and how where. But like bats, bats carry weight. I think I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure bats carry way more diseases than rats do I in know. general. I mean, rats famously, you know, some very specific diseases. Diseases, <laughs> but in general, I'm fairly certain. That bats carry like a lot. Well, you're. I think you're much more likely to get like rabies and stuff from a bat than you are. Yeah, from I've a heard rat. that. I don't know how true, I don't that, know how is, true that is, but, but I, I, I have heard that. Um, the Far beetles, be it for me the, to spread beetles, mis- misinformation, though, but I think in the book accurate. are like biting beetles, like they Whoa. bite him. I don't know what kind of beetle that's supposed to be, but I don't they know. they bite him. That sounds so awful. <laughs> that does sound pretty June bad. Bugs. I think June bugs bite. Maybe not. ew, a cave full of June bugs. That's worse than everything. Yeah. We have to go check on our fajitas. That's, we're recording our, that's this, our dinner. We're recording this on Cinco de Mayo. So. <laughs> uh, this is an f- interesting little scene that we just talked about while we were watching the movie, so I wanted to ask who was in the book. At one point, after Rambo, they realize he's alive still, after they think he died in the mine collapse, he comes into town. He steals the truck, and he gets into town, and the sheriff uh, gets on a... <laughs> A town intercom and has the the, the the streets evacuated and we were like, is that a thing? That's interesting. Um, is that in the book? No, that's not in the book. Okay. Um, and we we came to the our our sort of we never looked it up, but we assumed that sort of in a very close to post Cold War, still yeah. Cold War kind of yeah early eighties. No, this is the seventies. Seventies, I think. Yeah. Okay. Pretty sure this is still the seventies. Um, it's right after Vietnam. I'm still right in the post, mm-hmm. slightly post cold, whatever. Um, in that period, you would still have they, the towns would maybe have intercoms for alerting, Emergencies. yeah, <laughs> alerting people to <laughs> nuclear bombs and that sort of thing, or atomic bombs and that sort of thing. I wonder if in the modern day, if you can use, I would assume not, like the tornado sirens, if there's somehow an intercom. I would bet not. I, don't know. I think those are specifically designed just to you wind them up yeah. and blow air through them, and they make the noise. I don't think there's like a intercom system. Well, but sometimes they play like a this is a test. This is only a test. In certain places. In certain places. So maybe. It may depend on the type of tornado siren. So like, yeah. yeah. Because some of them I'm pretty sure are just, they're like, literally they crank up and they just make the noise. Mm-hmm. But other ones are like just speakers that they play the noise through. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Interesting. And all of our listeners who don't live in Tornado Alley yeah. are like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But other, I, I would bet other cities might have them for, um, well... I guess if you lived on the coast, well, I bet in coastal regions where tsunamis in mm, other parts of yeah. the world, I bet there are like tsunami warning systems and that sort of thing. Because yeah. those you can know about ahead of time, depending on like if you sense an earthquake. Yeah. Earthquakes, I know we can predict a little bit ahead sometimes depending on certain situations. But and If there's an earthquake, you know it though. Right. But I mean, <laughs> there's some that I think you can, I think we've gotten to the point where certain types of earthquakes or something we can get a little bit of warning so they could potentially put mm-hmm. out. I don't, I don't know. 
And Anyways. hurricanes are slow moving. And hurricanes, they don't need a warning system because you know days and days in advance. <laughs> so, uh, does Rambo blow up the local gun store, uh, or like are any of the explosions in the movie in the book? Because he blows up a gun store in the movie and a gas station. I think those are the main two, but they're big explosions and a car lot somehow. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really do that. It seems to like be a chain reaction from the gas station or something. Yeah, a similar thing happens in the book. They don't specifically mention a gun store, but he does set a bunch of buildings on fire. Um, he does set a gas station on fire, and there's mention of like a chain reaction yeah. from that, um, like through the gas lines. Um, and he does also set the police station on fire in the book. In the movie, I think he just shoots it up. Yeah, he just he, he gets the M60, and yeah. which is becomes the Rambo gun in later movies. It's like he, he carries around an M60 is like his thing, which is a big machine gun if mm-hmm. you don't know what an M60 is. Um, and yeah, uh, he just shoots it up in the movie. Finally, last question for was that in the book? Is there a scene uh, in the book in the movie this happens and it's the best scene in the whole movie? And when I say best, I mean like best made most effective it's what makes the movie good in my opinion i mean the whole movie's good overall we never really said that but i think the whole movie is very effective and Mm -hmm. good overall um but the scene that makes it a truly good or great film is the scene at the end where sylvester sloan as rambo breaks down to the old general Mm -hmm. his old general um and has that moment where he just he he just loses it and is talking about how he he um you know, he doesn't, he, he was flying jets and he, he has like a pilot's license and he was driving tanks or whatever back in Nam and now he can't even get a driver's license and, or blah, 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 like all these different things. Um, and just how he can't, he has no place in society anymore and he just loses it and all of his friends are dead and it's brutal and it's this fucking gut wrenching scene. Uh, is that, does that monologue type of thing happen in the book? No, that's really? a movie thing. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. I really thought that scene would have been in Mm-mm. the book. No, and I think I do think it was really effective and that that scene in particular makes what Rambo the character has been mythologized yeah, yeah. into, I think, especially interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. Well, I got because, I got a whole section about it. Yeah, yeah. You want to talk I, got, about I want to talk later. about it in okay. in our in our odds and ends probably, I think that's where my note for it is, unless we get to it before that. Um but that's Super fascinating to me uh, is well, might as well do it now. Why not? Because um, we're done with this section, and before we get to lost in attention, because we'll just... but my my perception of Rambo the character before seeing this movie, before reading the book, just from cultural osmosis, from the way he's been mythologized, very toxic masculinity. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah he's he's, he's a, a quintessential big guy who runs around shooting people, shooting machine guns and yeah. blowing everything up. And here's the thing: I think that is what happens in the sequels, mm-hmm. which is that. And I I had this note in my odds and ends, but I I had in all caps when we finished this movie. Why on earth would you make a sequel to this fucking movie? That is anything other than like Rambo, like living on a farm. Yeah, like. Because it, it, it's cruel it's to so, make him it's do anything so else. Cruel and horrifying, and it's like after the final monologue in this film, where he's just he do, he doesn't want to be he he doesn't want to kill people, but he doesn't know how to do anything else. And he he you know he was at the beginning of the movie we saw him he just wanted to find a friend and then his friend was dead and then he just wanted to get something to eat and then he was hassled and then he, he's like 
you know, this guy's hassling him and he's like, move on. And, he, and it's sort of the standing up in the face of like, you know, I can do it. First off, I, anybody in America, you know, anybody should be able to go and eat wherever they want, regardless of what I look like. But on top of that, I was in the military. Like I, I served this country in the war and you're telling me I can't go to the, the local restaurant and get a sandwich. Screw you. And so he just wanted to like live his life and be a dude. And and even then, this this the the system quote unquote wouldn't let him do that. And 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 when he breaks down at the end of the movie, it's just brutal. And mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone is great at it because you can't understand him half the time. Which uh, it's it's just so effective. And you you're j- I was just sitting there like jaw on the floor, uh, kind of in the sense of just like God, this is brutal. Yeah. And the idea and the, and then and then he he, he gets arrested. So in the movie, he gets arrested and walks out. And we'll talk about the differences later. Um, but he gets basically uh, the 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 general kind of talks him down and turn gets him to turn himself in, and he gets arrested, and that's how the movie ends. And as we're watching that, I'm like. W- how do you make a sequel to this movie where he goes back to war? Yeah. It's the most cynical, it's insane horrible. thing I've ever, like, it's mind blowing to me that, I, I mean, I get it because it was a movie that made a bunch of money. Yeah. But talk about bankruptcy or talk about like cynical, mindless, money grubbing, like uh, subversion of a message. Yeah. It's insanity. Now, I will say I don't know. I haven't seen like two, three, or four in this sequel in this series. I I saw, like I said, the one in two thousand eight. I don't remember anything about it. I don't know if they came up with any sort of effective way to make sense of him going back to fight people or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if they did it in a way that makes sense or works. Maybe they did. My guess is I, 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 but I can't see how possibly they could have. And even then they should never have tried because it, it ruins the message of this movie. Mm-hmm. Even if they figured out a way to make it make sense, like, oh, well, you don't know how to do anything else but kill people, Rambo. So come help us. Like, okay, maybe that makes sense, quote unquote, but it's but not. it's still it's fucking still awful. awful. It's still horrifying. It's still just a nightmare. And a complete and and I would again I can't judge those movies. Maybe they still end up being indictments of the military industrial complex. I don't know, but I can't imagine they are. I don't know. Um, but you're right. It's mind blowing. I was like, how do you make a sequel to As, this movie after the scene where he is allowed to be so vulnerable, so vulnerable, and to defy everything that toxic masculinity is? Yeah. And then to have at times plays. he even says things that are I don't necessarily agree with, like at the beginning of the rant, at least. But yes, it, overall, completely vo- like because he says something about like, but it's but it's completely understandable within his character because, he, you mm-hmm. know, like he's he, he's he, at the beginning of his rant. He's dumping on uh, the protesters he saw at the airport who are protesting. The, mm-hmm. He took them as protesting him mm-hmm. and like and, and, and calling him a murderer and stuff. And, and sure, maybe they were. I don't you know. Who knows? Who knows? But and there definitely probably were people that were. But overall, in general, I think a lot of the people protesting the war, the vibe that I get, at least it seemed like, weren't protesting necessarily the soldiers in the war so much as the idea of that, the fact that we were in this war at all. Um, and, and and it's it's it, and that even goes to today, you know, going up all the way up to the Iraq War. It's 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 people who are protesting and 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 upset about the fact that we're in this war aren't upset about the people necessarily who were soldiers in the war. Um, so much as they are, but 
even that being said, this movie does a really good job of, I think, sympathize or uh, creating sympathy for somebody who is like a cold-blooded murderer (laughs) (laughs) in so much as Rambo is, um, in that he was created to be that thing. Yeah. Like, he didn't necessarily choose to be that thing. Like, he, the, 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 the army turned him into that thing. Anyways, but yeah, you're right. Sorry, to get back to your point, uh. That that simp- that that complete vulnerability. He's allowed to cry. Yeah, he, he sobs. Cries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he sobs openly, just completely, just uh, loses it and sobbing, and he he's like hugging the the general who's there because it's the only person <laughs> who's there and who could he you know he just needs any sort of connection with a person. And it's 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 um it's a masterful scene. Like it's incredible. Like I said, I was just blown away by it. And then to make a sequel where he goes and, like, kills a bunch of people was like, what? 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 I hate hate everything. Yeah, what? All right. We got that out of the way now, so we'll skip that when we get to uh, our odds and ends later. But that was it for Was That in the Book? Um, I do have a couple quick Lost in Adaptations, and then uh, we'll get to your segments. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Wow, was lost. Yes, yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. First question is, in the movie, Teasel sees him on the road, and it's not so much that Teasel immediately hates him that I'm confused about. It is a little bit, and I'll ask about that. But specifically in the movie, he says, you, you, go, you walk around looking like that around here, you're in for a bad time or something like that. And I don't understand what that means in the movie. And and I don't know if there's more about this in the book. And now I'm thinking there probably isn't because he's not wearing fatigues in yeah. the book. So do you have any input on what, what about his appearance other than being uh, yeah. vaguely kind of unkempt? I mean, I, I really can't help here. Like, he's not wearing anything that would identify him as a war vet when we meet him in the book. Um, I mean, we we read his description earlier. He's kind of he looks kind of vaguely homeless and driftery. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, long hair, beard, dirty clothes. Yeah. That comment that Tiesel makes to him right off the bat in the movie about like looking like that to me makes way more sense in the book. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure because in the movie he doesn't look particularly unkempt and like I mean he's he, his clothes aren't nice but he's just wearing like jeans and a and a, a military yeah, his jacket. His clothes are like old and kind of shabby, but but yeah, he doesn't look like I said he's if he had like, like bloody grotesque. if he was like if he had co- clothes that were covered in blood and like mud and stuff and yeah. like he had this big long scraggly beard and like you know like I could at least see what the movie was saying, but then I was wondering if it was some reference to him being on like the west coast i don't know because he was in the military and being in the on the west coast where there's more progressive people in general and that they don't look so kindly on soldiers like if that's what he was saying but it's interesting coming from teasel because he's also a vet and 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 like a small town cop and a small town cop who is very much strikes you as more of the like authoritarian authoritarian fashy type of person so it's very strange it is. It's very interesting. And, and, it, it, it was strange to me, and he like specifically like points at the American flag, yeah. his jacket, and is like, "You walk around with that, you're gonna have trouble." I'm yeah. Like, what are we talking about? And right he's now? a cop. It's so yeah. fascinating because it, 
And that was the thing. I was like, well, maybe that's it's it, maybe it's 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 supposed to go even one level deeper to to Teasel's inner resentment, which we'll get to here in the next section of uh, the uh, because Teasel's also a vet, and he is in the movie. They don't necessarily openly discuss it, but we do know he is because there's moments in his office where we see military medals and yeah. stuff on the wall. Um, and so maybe he always felt disrespected by and to that like at least in terms of his military background maybe he's hard like he felt like the people in this area didn't respect his military service so he's sort of like transferring that on to rambo like you know people around here they don't take kindly to soldiers or whatever because you know and maybe i don't know i'm trying to read into it more maybe some extra layer that maybe isn't there um but i just thought it was interesting uh and and yeah Mm, i don't know I didn't didn't quite understand that part in particular, but and I also just don't know enough about how like Vietnam vets were seen post war, like very yeah. close post war. I don't have that background or that historical context. No, to know. and it's almost impossible to because we don't talk about it. No, I mean I don't I don't. Think... I could probably I, I could ask my my mom. <laughs> I mean, or her first <laughs> husband was in Vietnam, so yeah. like she would have a better understand you know somebody like that they may have a better understanding of i mean they lived right through that period to know how that was sort of seen at least but Mm -hmm. there are people who would know but um yeah we don't have that experience obviously i mean as far as like my experience in school goes like u.s history education basically ends with world war ii like we did a little bit on like we Vietnam did a little bit in the Cold War, but I don't think we ever touched anything past the Second World War until I was like well into high school. Yeah, maybe. No, we did. I did a little bit before that, but not much. Yeah, you generally don't get that far up. Yeah, um, much earlier than high school, but maybe a little bit. I Which know. I could go on about, yeah. but. <laughs> Uh, last question for Lost in Adaptation. Uh, does the book, and I kind of mentioned this, but does the book go into any more about the motivation about why Tiesel so quickly completely hates Rambo? Um, obviously, the motivation we kind of see on the surface in the movie is that uh, he's the sheriff. He doesn't want any riffraff, any you know vagrants wandering around his city. He's trying to keep it quiet and nice and that sort of thing. Keep the streets clean. Keep the streets clean, you know, that sort of nonsense. But he... Um, but he seems to end the movie, and, and we kind of get over the course of the movie why a little bit, um, of why he actually he seems to have this sort of deeper hatred of Rambo. Uh, do we get any more of that in the book? So at first, Tiesel doesn't like Rambo for many of the same reasons. Um, he's, Rambo's noncompliant, doesn't want to obey authority and do, what he's, do as he's told, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Looks vagranty, yeah. et cetera. Um, there's a big shift in motivation when Rambo kills Orval, who was the old man with the dogs. Oh, yeah. Because um, in the book, we know that Orval was actually Tiesel's adopted father and oh. took care of him after his father was killed in a hunting accident. So there's like a big shift in motivation there where he gets kind of like a revenge thing going. Yeah. Um, and we I get a little th- bit of that I, I was in the gonna movie. Say, I think the movie attempts to do that with, with the other Galt, guy. the yeah. other cop. The guy in the helicopter. But I don't think they did a good job of like building any kind of bond between no. them. No, no, yeah, we, we get less of a bond between them. But he does say like he killed one of ours. You know, he that's kind of like revenge is becomes more of a motivating factor. Yeah. Um, in the movie after uh, Galt dies, 
um, or whatever that guy's name is. Is it really Galt? Is he named after a Randian? <laughs> is he named after John Galt? S G A L. It's very fitting that a cop would be named named after an Ayn Rand uh, <laughs> archetypal hero. But, um, anyways, uh, what would you? G A L T. Yeah, that's John yeah. Galt. It's the same interesting. Which story. there is there is a cop named Galt in the book, but I think he dies like right away when Rambo starts fighting his way out of the police station. I think that's the one who, yeah. The this, other cops aren't really that important. This movie answers who is John Galt. He's a fascist cop who falls out of a helicopter like a dumbass and dies. There we go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing we wanted to mention and touch on here uh, that I found during my pre-movie research and then wanted to touch on again here that you didn't get much of out of the book, mm-hmm. and we think there's a couple, maybe main, one main reason for that, is that it seems to be that uh, people who have read the book found that part of Teasel's motivation for hating Rambo is that Teasel was also a veteran as we mentioned and we yes. see that a little bit in the movie um, with his medals and stuff and I think a little bit hinted at in the conversation he has at the bar with um, Troutman. Troutman that uh, Teasel was a Korean War vet mm-hmm. and the Korean War is uh, considered known as the Forgotten War it's definitely didn't have the um, sort of uh, notoriety that the Vietnam War had, and and it just sort of ended. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Teasel has this sort of built-in jealousy of um, vets from other wars that were that are seen as more uh, sort of heroic, mm-hmm. and he feels that he's been short shrifted in that regard and that he you know he's also a vet and i believe in the book he has it's mentioned or something as is what i read at least and we see from the medals in the movie he has some sort of service medal so yes he he, um, he has like a medal of honor yeah like something else yeah he has else. like distinguished service medals yeah. but nobody talks about it and nobody cares and i think maybe that's an interesting thing in the movie is that it's never mentioned it's mm-hmm. like a kind of a, a nod to the book's fact that he feels that it's never acknowledged, but he has these medals on his desk, but nobody in the movie ever mentions that he's yeah. a war vet or whatever, or that he has these distinguished medals and that sort of thing. Um, but apparently that is part of his resentment is that he feels like Rambo, you know, he's jealous of other war vets. So uh, maybe like a couple hours ago when I was working on my notes for this, you came in and said that to me and I was very taken aback Yeah, because I did not get that at all yeah. reading the books. I knew he was a vet in Korea. He talks about it mm-hmm. in the book. Um, we spend quite a bit of time, like the book alternates back and forth between Teasel's and Rambo's perspectives. So we spend quite a bit of time with Teasel in the book. And he does talk a lot about being in Korea. Um, and he, we know that he has um, his medals, his Distinguished Service Awards, but I never got, like, the jealousy thing. Interesting. And I'm wondering if that might be due to, like, some cultural cues that I don't know to look for. Yeah. If it that seems makes very, sense. seems very likely, very possible that there's some um, language and, and, yeah, cultural cues that you're just not privy to not mm-hmm. being of that time period. Yeah, not being of that time period, of that generation, and really not even knowing a whole lot about the culture that surrounds those two wars. Yeah. I mean, aside from, like, what you could read in a textbook. Right. I, I mean, I know literally nothing about the Korean yeah. War because 
it is kind of the foreground. Yeah, like, I literally talk, know almost nothing about it. And we don't talk about, about Korea, and we don't talk about Vietnam, except to kind of joke about it. I mean, I, I know a little bit more about the Vietnam War, a little bit, but that's mainly because of movies, because yeah. there's been a bunch of movies made about it. There hasn't been a bunch of movies made about the Korean War. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's an interesting dynamic, and I think that is probably part of it, is that maybe just the, you don't have that cultural understanding of mm-hmm. the differences and 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 the 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 um the attitudes of the time and that sort of thing and and how he would be like maybe it's almost an implicit thing that is yeah, maybe. into the character. I mean, and maybe I was supposed to know that yeah. as a Korean vet that he would feel that way. Yeah. But how could I? Maybe it's a prominent feeling about yeah. Korean war. I you know, don't know. Just kind of speculating here. I don't, but yeah, it's interesting. I don't think I know a single Korean War vet, like personally. I knew. I knew. Se- I, don't I think knew, I do. I knew quite a few growing up because uh, a lot of like my people in like Boy Scout troops and stuff. Their dads oh, or grandfathers yeah. were in like the Korean War, yeah. um, and so I knew some, but never talked. You know, never came up. Like, and then my my grandparents and stuff were. Um, some of them were or great grandparents and grandparents were in World War Two, and then mm-hmm. I had uncles and stuff that were in Vietnam and whatnot. But my grandpa was in the army, but he was not in during wartime. Yeah, at all, he missed out on that. Yeah, Shuck. darn shucks. <laughs> shucks. All right, that's it for Lost in Adaptation. Let's do it better in the book. You like to read? Oh yes, I love to read. What do you like to read? everything all right so one thing that i was a little disappointed i don't know if it would have fit tonally in this movie um but in the book teasel actually drives rambo out of town like three times and he keeps turning around (laughs) and coming back (laughs) um rambo also has like a little bit of attitude in the book like he's kind of sassy yeah kind of got a smart mouth on him um which again i don't know if that would have worked out tonally with what the movie was going for but it did make for an interesting character right off the bat like somebody who was fun to read about you know so when um when rambo escapes from the police station in the book he's actually completely naked completely starkers escapes from the police station yeah they couldn't have done that no they couldn't have steals the motorcycle completely naked rides it out of town (laughs) completely naked that's fantastic uh they kept a little bit with him being shirtless so that he has to find uh, a top but i mean the thing is in only the only i feel like the only way to do that in the movie is for it would have to be played comedically yeah like there's no way to do that unless it's like because they can't they either have to show very little mm-hmm. in the movie in order to maintain your rating, which is maybe silly in its own regard that in a movie where we watch people bleeding all over the place and it's not super violent movie. I mean, it's violent, but it's not like a overtly like gory film necessarily, but maybe it is a little silly that in a movie where no, it's definitely silly than a movie where people are like being stabbed <laughs> yeah. and, and whatnot that a penis hanging around would be a big nightmare um, for the ratings. That's a whole nother thing. But, um, this scene you you can see you can imagine it being done if he was naked in a comedy film or mm-hmm. like a, or like a fun action comedy like yes. where like they're holding up different things in front of them as they're escaping or the camera's just always at the wrong angle or you know what i mean like 
it wouldn't totally fit in no, with, with, not the, at all. with the PTSD into the, the escape from the jail. It just wouldn't quite fit. Um, so, but it is, yeah, it does make sense because he is naked at one point in mm-hmm. the, in the, when they're like spraying him down or whatever. But um, So I mentioned before that we spend a lot of time with Tiesel in the book. So we have a lot of his backstory. Um, we know who he is. We know his relationship with Orval. We know that his wife has left him. We know all of these little um, pressure points <laughs> that he has. Um, now, I'm going to talk about it more in my final verdict. I don't know that having all of his backstory would have worked with what the movie has set out to do, but I do think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think it was more interesting to read a multi-dimensional character. Yeah. Yeah, I think the movie gives us little hints about it, mm-hmm. but it always still kind of falls back into just the the bully cop. Yeah. Parent, yeah. Like sort of archetype. Um, we get, you know, there are flashes of moments. Like there was a moment uh, when he goes to the bar and has a drink with Troutman where there's some humanity to him that is when they're having that discussion, but then it, it disappears very quickly. Yeah. And then it just goes right back to him being, you know, a, a, a vengeful angry bully um and yeah it could be, it could definitely wouldn't have been disappointed or wouldn't have been upset with a little more for his character mm-hmm. there's a scene in the book where rambo meets an old moonshiner in the woods um and basically like blackmails him into giving him clothes and a gun because um, he's like i saw your your moonshine equipment <laughs> you're still um and so you give me that gun and I won't walk up there by it, and then the cops won't find it because they're following my trail. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> um, don't know if it fits the character of Rambo that the movie portrays, but it was a fun scene. Also interesting to talk about fun scenes in this story, but it was kind of fun. Yeah, there's very few. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, speaking of not fun scenes, oh, yeah. though. Um, the way that the dogs die, I hate a dog death. Not great. Not a fan, but I did think that the way the book did it was more horrific because they're all up on a cliff and Rambo is kind of like sniping them off as they're kind of stuck up on the top of this cliff. They don't really have anywhere to hide all the cops and Mm. Orval and all of his dogs and he's kind of picking them off. And one of the cops is holding, like, two of the dog leashes, and he shoots that cop. Cop falls off of the cliff, and the dogs get dragged down with him. Good. I know. Jeez. It's really That's brutal. not better in the book. That's, that's <laughs> The movie, it was already bad enough when he's just murdering the dogs off screen. I know. We're not going to show him shooting people, but he can kill dogs? Well, we That's don't, okay? We don't show him killing dogs, either. It happens off camera. I mean, he... We see him on camera stabbing and, and, and like, you know, <laughs> doing bad things to people in the movie. But we don't see him kill any people. Yeah. But he does uh, he does kill the dogs. But he had no choice. I mean, with it, people, yeah. you can injure them. And then, I guess, technically with dogs, maybe. But it's a lot harder, I feel like. <laughs> like, those dogs were going to d- destroy him if he didn't kill them. Yeah. Whereas with the people, he can kind of, like cut their leg and run off and then they're out of commission but well, regardless it was very dramatic in the yeah. book a very dramatic scene one of the things that i kind of 
I guess struggled with in the movie was that like once Rambo gets into the woods I felt like he kind of went from like zero to 50 with like the guerrilla warfare yeah um and he does that in the book too like once he gets away from the police station um but I felt like having his inner monologue mm. made that progression a little bit easier to follow. Yeah. It didn't bother me in the movie. I got it because we, and I think in the movie it worked for me because we're seeing the, like the PTSD flashbacks and it just, mm-hmm. to me, it just made sense that he just kind of goes into this flight or fight response. Like that's kind of been grilled into him. Um, but I could see how the added benefit of his inner monologue in the book would, would, would flush that out a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. Again, if you're just watching the movie, like, no problem. Like I, I, it worked for me. But yeah, having a little bit more in the book, I can see being, being better. Um, there's a great conversation right around when Tiesel and Troutman first meet, um, where they talk about how we as a society have kind of chewed up Vietnam vets and spat them back out and said, "Ew, gross." Yeah. Um. So at one point. There is a specific line that I felt like I was really missing here in yeah. this movie. Um, at one point, Tiesel says, I don't kill for a living. And Troutman responds, of course not. You tolerate a system that lets others do it for you. And when they come back from the war, you can't stand the smell of death on them. Which I thought was a really powerful and indictful line. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I mean, the movie, I think, captures that overall sort of oeuvre or whatever, that feeling, uh, you know, and and the last, the final monologue, which the movie has that the book lacks, I think helps drive that home a little bit. Um, And it definitely makes you feel that when you're watching the movie, but that particular line is very strong. Um, And yeah, it's, but I, but I think the movie does capture that overall Mm -hmm. because I definitely felt, you know, you feel you feel bad <laughs> about war and yeah. stuff, which, you know, makes sense. Um, another thing that's not necessarily better in the book, because I wouldn't have wanted to watch this in the movie, similar to, like, the dogs. Um, so in the movie, we see him kill, like, a wild boar yeah. and eat it. In the, in the book, he has to catch, like, he catches this nasty old owl. <laughs> at night (laughs) it's like really old and like tough and he's like trying to cook it and he's like i wish i had salt and pepper (laughs) i don't know i wouldn't want to watch it yeah but it was more interesting yeah yeah yeah. that's one of those changes that makes sense but it's still interesting in the book yeah when he is down in the mines in the book he actually finds the skeleton of a miner down there like just chilling some guy who died in the mines. I feel like there could definitely be some sort of symbolism and, because uh, I don't think he finds, does he find a dead body in the movie? Doesn't he? I don't think so. I didn't, I don't remember him finding one. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of when I was playing Uncharted, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think there could be some really interesting symbolism there. Uh, that could have been a good scene to have in the movie. I think there's some, definitely some usable, um, meaningful uh like i said symbolism there between uh, the people that society finds expendable yeah 
and, you know, and, and that, or that, that not necessarily that society like finds expendable, but that is expendable and that we just sort of let happen as a society and deal with as a society is, you know, soldiers going off to war and then dying or coming back and being broken people. Um, and, and, and minors, you know, yeah. and, and tons of other people, but, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> people working at checkout lines in grocery yeah. stores in 2020 blue collar work yeah <laughs> yeah um but it is uh most people in a capitalist system <clears throat> but uh <laughs> yeah it uh it is interesting i think there could be some really good sort of there could have done something really clever with that if they had included that in the film no yeah i think so um and then my last note here i'm actually i'm a little torn on the rats versus the bats in the cave uh, I don't approve of a smear campaign against either. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. But I do like bats more. I like bats I like more. Like bats, like as an animal, I like bats. They're more, more interesting, but I also but would less be like to be around a bat than a rat. <laughs> I also think so. In the book, uh, the way he gets out of the cave is that he sees which way the bats are flying. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and follows them to an opening. Yeah, because in I the evenings was, they yeah, go out. Really interesting, and I think I thought could have been could have ended up being a cool scene. Yeah. in a movie. Yeah, that would have made sense. I mean, I know why they did rats because rats are you can wrangle rats. Yeah, easy to have in a you know compared yeah. to bats, it would be very tough. So I, 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 I don't get know it. if you could wrangle bats. I don't think you can wrangle bats uh, necessarily. Like flying foxes and stuff, maybe, but like bats. Yeah, like a bunch of them, probably not so much. I would guess. Um, whereas you kind of can with rats. Uh, so yeah, I I get it. Um. But yeah, that would have been cool, using the bats to find his way out. All right, that was it for Better in the Book. Let's go ahead and talk about what was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. So I liked the movie's choice of opening by having Rambo be looking for his war buddy, who yeah. then ends up being dead. I yeah. thought that was... It was a gut punch of an opening. It yeah. was very humanizing. For sure. I also like that they gave Rambo a special weapon. Mm-hmm. It's like his Anduril. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. His knife. Yeah. It's got fun. It's it's his it's definitely his Red Rider BB gun with the compass on the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention this. This is a random note I found. So um that, that tarp he finds in the movie mm-hmm. that after he escapes from prison where he's shirtless. Uh, they found that wasn't a, a prop. They oh, just, just found, found it. They just found that while they were filming. And apparently, according to, this is an IMDb trivia fact, I'm pretty sure, so take it with a grain of salt. But according to IMDb trivia, uh, Sylvester Stallone still has the rest of that tarp like in his house. Like he kept hmm. it or something. So, Interesting. Yeah. I hope he has it like above his mantle. Yeah. <laughs> like mounted. Yeah. No, I hope he has it like a, like a throw rug, like a... <laughs> You know, like a hunter has like a bear or whatever. He just has the tarp from First Blood in front of his fireplace. I also liked that the movie showed him stitching himself up after he got hurt. Yeah, yeah. We don't see any of that aspect of his training in the book. Um, we mostly just see him being violent. So I thought yeah. it was interesting to see that aspect of it. It was also really well done in the movie. Um, I was like borderline 
questioning if they had actually cut his arm and he was sewing himself back. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously not. Yeah. But it looked so good that I thought because I was looking for I mean, we, we've watched a lot of like face off and stuff. I know a little bit about prosthetics and stuff. And so I was looking for, you know, seams and mm-hmm. and, and, and like or any like. Like, cause it's bad honest, edges. Like, not even bad edges, but just where it's, like, raised up because you have to add. Because not only was there he's sewing up flesh, there was blood coming out of it. So mm-hmm. they had some sort of piping or, so, you know, there was something going in there. And they did a really good job to where it didn't look like, you know, this weird bulge on his arm in a weird place. Like, mm-hmm. an, anatomically, it looked good. So I was very impressed by that. <laughs> I wonder if it helps having somebody who's like muscular, muscular. yeah you can hide so there's him in, like already a bulge there's well and you can also because it's like right it was, I think it was like right along where the dip on his bicep is from mm-hmm. like his shoulder to his bicep so like they kind of built that out a little bit would be my guess from mm-hmm. where looking at it which helps kind of disguise it a little bit but still yeah i was very impressed glenn hetrick would have approved <laughs> <laughs> but make it more steampunk make it more yeah <laughs> Should have sewed it up with, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what steampunk thread is. I don't know. What. I don't know. Br- brass wire. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's about the aesthetic. Yeah. Anyway. That was for four of you. You're welcome. So uh, Mitch, the quote unquote good cop, has a line that I liked when they're in the forest. He says, we ain't hunting him. He's hunting us. Yeah. Um, and Teasel has a, a similar realization in the book. But I thought that was a great, like, single line. It is. And it's become a trope. And I don't know if it's a trope because of this movie or if it was before this. Yeah. My guess is probably from this movie because that is an action movie trope of, you know, oh, we're not hunting him. He's hunting us type of thing mm-hmm. where you got a bunch of bad guys against one good guy or whatever or vice versa. <laughs> But yeah. Um, and speaking of, we also see his guerrilla warfare skills in the movie, which we don't really all that much in the book. Oh, interesting. Um, like h- hiding in the brush with his ghillie suit. Yeah. Um, the leaping down out of the tree, the booby traps, the yeah. decoy that he makes. Yeah, he makes um, like a yeah. scarecrow. None of that really. There's like one point in the book where he like hides in the mud. But other than that, we don't really see like those kind of specific things that you think of. Yeah, when you think when of, like, you think guerrilla, of warfare. guerrilla warfare. Um, although I thought having the bats lead him up out of the cave in the book was really interesting and could have potentially made a cool movie scene. I also really appreciated the visual cue when he climbs up out of the caves, out of the mines, with the opening overhead in the mine like mimicking where he was kept like as a prisoner of hole, war. Yeah. yeah, like in the hole. The climax of this movie is way more interesting than the climax of the book. Um, He was, like, shooting out all the lights, and, like, him and Teasel were stalking each other around, and then he goes and blows up the entire gun shop for, like, noise cover, and then Teasel falls through the skylight. Yeah, Yeah, there's, like, a lot going on. It was really exciting and fun to watch. Yeah, Um, And then, of course, Rambo's breakdown at the oh, end we already talked yeah, about it's but just so good. It's not in the book and it's really gut-wrenching and awesome yeah all right let's talk about what the movie nailed as i expected practically perfect in every way um i thought the movie nailed the ptsd flashbacks mm-hmm. um and especially like 
what his triggers were for those, like with them trying to shave him and everything. Yeah. And the bars on the window mm-hmm. reflecting the bars over him and the, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought they did a good job with that. Yeah, like, all the it's way very around. subtle. It's very it's very quick. Like, mm-hmm. we don't, and they don't they don't continue that theme, which I thought was interesting. I thought mm-hmm. or, like they don't continue that, but that's what sets him off, and then he goes from there. But yeah, it's only a few times. It's only a couple times, but I think it's enough for us to yeah. understand. Well, it's enough to understand, happening. and it's done really well in a way that feels to me. I and I don't suffer. I don't, have, I don't deal with trauma and that sort of thing. But it felt to me like a realistic-ish portrayal of the yeah. type of thing that somebody who had dealt with intense trauma, the type of things that would trigger them. Yeah, where you, you, know you, you I mean? can, like, hear something or see something yeah. that just, like, puts yeah. you right back yeah. there. Yeah, it felt really uh, realistic. Um, snatching the guy right off the motorcycle slash dirt bike. Thought they nailed that. Um, except that in the book it's another cop, not a civilian, and he's naked. So... Rambo is not the cop. <laughs> that would be a whole different film with the cops just cruising around naked on a motorcycle. It's like, I feel like there's a whole other story here that we're not getting. Why is that cop naked? Or if it was the civilian in the movie, he's just naked yeah. on the motorcycle. Like, why is he? What is? Well, all right. It's a very liberal town. Yeah, yeah sure. It is. It is the West Coast after all. Oh, I thought, um, although he had pretty limited screen time, I thought they did a good job of um, Orval and his sniffing dogs. His bloodhounds. His bloodhounds. Yeah. They're not bloodhounds, but yeah, they're... This bloodhound-esque dog. Because yeah, they're some sort of, like, they're a more aggressive looking dog than a bloodhound, yeah. because I think part of that is if, if, if Rambo right. had been murdering, like, floppy-eared bloodhounds, <laughs> it would not have been... But also, he couldn't have sent those, like... Bloodhound, like those, you yeah. know, like the basset hounds or whatever that you sometimes use for tracking, aren't the same dogs that you use for like subduing, right? Tracking and hunting, hunting. But there are dogs, and I, that's what these are, which are like mastiffs or something, is what they look like. I think they're yeah. like mastiffs of some sort, which are. I didn't really get a good look at them. They kind of reminded me of Dobermans. Yeah, Dobermans yeah. are mastiffs. There's some, you know, some some of those dogs that are very much in the in the the type of breed that you know have the jaws and the musculature mm-hmm. and the, and the speed and sort of thing to, to like hunt and, mm-hmm. and bring down people. And the scene where he is stuck on the side of the cliff, um, posse on one side, helicopter on the other and getting shot at. And then he jumps down into the trees. I thought they did a good job with that. Um, the one trigger happy young cop who has to keep being told to stop shooting. Oh, yeah. Um, that's That guy's from the book, I think, Singleton, I think yeah. is his name. Yeah, that's the guy who tries to shave him in the movie. Yeah. Um, and that's the guy, that actor, I kept trying to figure out what I knew him from. And I, the, I, One of the main things I knew him from, he was in Twin Peaks, but if you're a good, bad, or bad, bad fan uh, and you're listening to this, the other thing he's in is he was in Narcs, the Alex Mazinette film Narcs, he was a a small role in that, and he's like the one of the like only named actors that like Alex Mazinette got for that movie, and he plays one of the cops or something. Um, and I didn't recognize him at the time because his this movie and Twin Peaks are like his biggest things. He's been in a bunch of TV shows mm-hmm. and like bit roles and stuff, but uh, those are his big things. And it was so funny because I was like, I know him from something, and I was like, Oh my gosh, he was in Narcs. I bet wow. Alex Mazinette was really excited to right? be a guy who yeah. was in First Blood. Yeah, a guy, he was a cop in First Blood? This guy knows how to play a cop. Yeah. Um, hiding in the mines and then getting trapped in the mines. That was right out of the book. Obviously, some changes that yeah. we talked about. And we didn't mention, but that also makes a lot of sense. Uh, 
there and I thought I was sort of surprised they didn't do anything with the flashbacks from that. Yeah. Because obviously uh the tunnels and stuff was a big part in Vietnam mm-hmm. of the warfare the Viet Cong and stuff, you know, used tunnel things extensively and as sort of like hideouts and bases and that sort of thing and there was it's been shown a lot in movies and stuff of people who, you know, <laughs> Took a flashlight and a and a and a pistol and went through these tunnels looking for, for 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 enemies and that sort of thing and it's terrifying and I'm surprised they didn't have they didn't use that as another moment yeah. to sort of have a flashback to like his his experiences yeah. in Vietnam. But I guess it does make sense then that he would know how to navigate. That. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. was my point is that he doesn't know how to navigate it, and it also makes sense that they don't need to have the flashback because he's already in his. It's already he's already kicked over. Yeah. To his his to, his war mode. Yeah, he's in fight or flight. He's now. not he's not having flashbacks anymore. He's not yeah, he doesn't need to be re triggered. He's already kicked over in his there, yeah. so Um and then the end when he sets everything on fire mm-hmm. was from the book. So they nailed that. There you go. Everything's on fire. Perfect. All right, we got a few odds and ends, general notes, and then we'll get to the final verdict. I think my favorite thing potentially in this whole movie, not really, but, but I really little, like, quirky my favorite thing. little like thing that made me chuckle. Yeah, when he breaks out of the police station and he's like wrecking hell and like yeah, punching like people, punching and, and kicking and, people, yeah. and breaks that one guy's nose, which yeah. he actually did in, in real life apparently, and like gets his knife back and runs out. <laughs> There's a secretary. Or somebody, I, I assume a secretary because of the time period, and it's a woman in yeah. the police station. Yeah, you would assume. In the background, not giving a single fuck. <laughs> she does not even look up. And I'm Just like, you know writer. what? <laughs> As someone who has done her fair share of secretarial and receptionist work, same. Yep. I feel you, girl. <laughs> You identified this hard. Is out of my pay rate. Not- You're not paying me enough to deal with a uh, half naked man beating you guys up. Not at all. I don't even get insurance. Are you kidding me? Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was funny. So I knew the rough plot of this movie after we did the prequel. Um, didn't know uh, in like any of the details, but I knew the rough plot. I knew the sheriff was like the bad guy, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Man, from moment one, this movie does a great job of making me hate the sheriff. Yeah. With no dialogue, almost no dialogue. He has one line where he says hi to somebody as they're like driving down the street. But it's just him. We're introduced to his character. He walks out of the police station. And just and and this is a a credit to the actor, um, which I can't remember his name now. Uh, Oh, no, I was just looking at it. Um, But it's a credit to that actor who played Teasel. Is it, it just the the way he walks, the way he carries himself, the way he str- everything about him just screams that sort of uh, like cocksure, too big for his britches. This is a guy who got who who's always wanted a m- power and got a modicum of it, and you just immediately know he's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Like, just immediately, without him saying a word. Yeah. It's so apparent. And I was just, like, really impressed by that 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 filmmaking. And, and again, 
mainly that per- like the the acting that uh the, this yeah. actor does. Oh, I thought this movie had some it was a great commentary and I think could potentially be even better commentary if they had focused on it more, I think. Um about <laughs> tread carefully <laughs> no i know i know about um the type of person who seeks that yes. kind of power yes that comes with being a cop and particularly like a small town cop yeah where you are the law you are the law i am the law yeah yeah uh yeah, which is funny because that's another Sylvester Stallone movie. I am the law. It's a Judge Dredd. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Brian Dennehy is the actor's name um, who plays Teasel in this movie. Because yeah, it definitely identify. It definitely is a sort of scathing indictment of the specific type of person uh, who who seeks out that f- fascist authority yeah. position. Because not the not to say that. Policing in general is a fascist thing, but but certain personality types that seek out that undeniable position of power, yeah, to use and abuse, yeah, is obviously a problem, and this movie does a great job of capturing it very um, naturally. And, and not being over, like, it's not, I mean, there are at times it is overt where, like, Brian, you know, where Teasel's yelling, like, oh, oh, this is my town. Like, it has yeah. those moments, but it also has those moments where as soon as we just see this guy walk out the front doors of the police station, you're like, this fucking yeah. guy. Well, and you know that guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I could probably count more than one hand the number of bullies I went to high school with who went on to either do or try to do some type of police work. Yeah. I mean, it's a stereotype. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's not, it's not fair and it's (laughs) hashtag not all cops, but it is, uh, there's definitely some people with certain personality types that are drawn to that position of power. And this movie is commenting on that. And I think it does so very effectively. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, like, partway through the movie, and I didn't know this beforehand. I think you did. I did. Because you saw it as a I saw it as, like, a, a trivia movie piece. trivia thing, yeah. yeah. And I was about, I was, like, about to type, my fingers were poised, and I was about to type, by my account, Rambo hasn't actually killed anyone in this movie. But then he, like, he's driving in the truck, and he pushes the cop car into another car, and it like flips, or, yeah, and catches on into a parked yeah. car, and it flips and catches on fire. And I was like, "Oh, but those guys are surely dead, yeah. right?" <laughs> so uh, that was the thing I looked up is that the the movie made an explicit choice to not have Rambo actively and um, f- like first handedly kill anybody. Yes, he does. Uh, he does a lot of injuring. He does a lot of injuring, and he does a lot of uh, his his actions result in the deaths. Not a lot of. He does some. His actions result in the death of people. Like he throws a rock at the helicopter, mm-hmm. and that causes the helicopter to swerve, which causes the guy to fall out of the helicopter. But the reason he fell out of the helicopter, from my memory, is that he like unbuckles himself because he yeah, wants to get a better he wants shot. To get a better shot. So it's like you know his th- hubris. Yeah, his hubris, the, and 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 his sort of bloodlust and that sort of thing kills the guy in the helicopter, and it's not really Rambo's fault. He's just trying to. 
get them to leave them alone or whatever. Mm-hmm. So so I get all that. And, and I think with the car incident, I think it's to be understood and implied that they probably survived. Like, they're wearing their seatbelts. The car just kind of crashes and flips over. Odds are maybe, you know, they survived with some injuries. So he doesn't actually kill anybody. And that apparently was a deliberate choice by the filmmakers. They wanted, and that, yeah. as you mentioned, the book, he kills lots of people. Oh, yes. Yeah. He leaves a very wide trail of blood yeah. in the book. Yeah. And uh, the movie decided that they thought it would make him a more sympathetic character if he wasn't killing a bunch of cops. And and I think that's probably true in 1976 mm-hmm. to a white audience. So I think that was probably a smart choice. Um and I think that uh, I think it's an interesting decision. And I think it probably makes overall sense. And I want to talk about it more when we get to your last note about the end of this movie and the end of the book, because I think that's where it comes into play a lot. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to it uh, a little bit more uh, when we get to the finale here in a second. So his first blood of Christmas movie. <laughs> Didn't we? I think this came up in the Did it come up? in when we talked about Die Hard. Uh, I think it was one of the movies that was mentioned because I remember saying I hadn't seen First Blood at Christmas like Die Hard is set at Christmas. Now, it's I will say this. I'll give we we came down on the side that Die Hard was not a Christmas movie when Mm -hmm. we did that episode. I will say this. Die Hard is more of a Christmas movie than First Blood is. First Blood also takes place around Christmas vaguely like there are Christmas decorations. It's sometime around Christmas. Could be before. Could be. But nobody ever says, at least from my memory. Nobody ever says, yeah. like, oh, Christmas hard, is next die week. Die Hard does a lot more with yes. the Christmas element. Yeah, for sure. So I will give you, I will give all of you Die Hard Christmas movie stands that. Die Hard <laughs> is much more of a Christmas movie than First Blood is. Um, because First Blood does happen to be set around Christmas, but it is not remotely a Christmas movie in any way compared to, like, Die Hard. Like, if you're comparing those two, yeah. for sure, Die Hard <laughs> is the Christmas movie. Did they, were they filming this at Christmas time? Because if not, that's a hell of a choice. They may have been. To just be like, let's throw some Christmas decorations up and never mention it. Yeah. They may have been. They may have been doing it during Christmas. I don't know. You know, like maybe the town. Because they filmed it in a town in Canada. They filmed it in like Hope, Ontario Mm -hmm. or something. They filmed it in some town called Hope in Canada and then pretended it was a town called Hope in Washington. So, but yeah, I I don't know. But it is is set around Christmas, which is interesting. Uh, we mentioned in the prequel episode that this was originally like a three-hour movie and that yeah. Sylvester Stallone hated it and wanted to burn it and, and never have anybody see it. Um, and they cut it down. They recut it to an hour 30. And boy, I, that was a good decision. Yes. <laughs> because so like I think it could have I think this movie could have been a little bit longer and still been really, really good. Still been great. But three hours would have been, been oh my God. a nightmare. Yeah. It, and, and the thing that's so good about it at an hour 30 is if you can make a movie an hour 30 and have it be this good, make it an hour 30 and have it be this good. Maybe an hour 45, maybe two hours would have added a little more. Maybe they could have fleshed out Teasel a little more. Maybe we could have added a little more of the mm-hmm. survival moments with Rambo uh, or some flashbacks with him. You know, like maybe that, that stuff all could have been fleshed out a little more. Maybe. But I don't think we necessarily we don't, needed it. No, 100% we didn't need it, and 100% it would drag down the tension in this film, because yeah. that's what this movie is so good at, is it's just a tense, like, ugh, like, it's it's a nonstop, like, thrill ride for, like, it's tense as shit for, like, an hour and 30 minutes. You're just like, what's going to happen next? What's going to, how is he going to get out of this? What's going to, ha-? like, you're just along for the ride, and, and if you drag that out even to two hours or two and a half hours, it's, it just loses that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. 
I love movies. There's a lot of good movies out there that are current. But honestly, I would love to see Hollywood return to economical storytelling. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. I, the thing is that for a movie like this, there's no reason for it to be an hour 30. Like, for certain movies, when we went and saw Avengers uh, Endgame, yeah. that movie had to be three hours. There's so much to get done, so much to do. And, and and that movie is a completely different beast because there's a lot of tone. Like, it shifts a lot tonally. We have a lot of comedy. It's a lot lighter at parts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of dramatic intense moments but it's not what the movie is isn't a a a tension thriller action survival movie yeah it's a fun action adventure comedy uh drama like so yeah that can be three hours because i i don't want to i don't i'm not i'm not digging my fingernails into my palms the whole film whereas Rambo, I don't know where what you do with the other hour and hour and a half of this movie that makes it any better, but also doesn't let make it lose any of the tension because if mm-hmm. you're doing it for three hours, it's just gonna get boring. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, I agree. It's really, yeah, it's got to be one of those films that was probably best saved by editing. Mm-hmm. It's got to be up high on that list of like films saved by the editor. <laughs> Or in the editing room. And I don't remember if we actually mentioned this in the prequel or if you and I talked about it afterwards, but I feel like First Blood should be the example that we trot out when people bitch about, yeah, like, reshoots. Yeah, we mentioned it in the prequel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we mentioned it in the prequel. Yeah, because they, they, they did extensive reshoots, there, uh, and uh, they did extensive recutting of the film, and boy. Was that a good choice? Apparently that was a very good choice, because, yeah. It, it it's it's a, a much better film for it. All right, last note before we get to final verdict, let's talk about the end of the movie. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this because I wasn't really comfortable putting it in either of my categories, but I think we're remiss not to talk about it because it is a big change. Yeah, for sure. And for other reasons as well. Mm-hmm. So in the movie... Rambo and Teasel are both still alive at yep. the end. Teasel falls through the roof after he gets shot in the leg, but he's he's alive. Yeah, he's alive. He's just injured. Yeah, we see him in the on the gurney yeah. on the stretcher being put in, being the, put in the, ambulance. the ambulance. Now in the book, both of them die. Um, Rambo shoots Teasel, and then Rambo gets shot by Troutman, um, and then Teasel like dies after that from the bullet that Rambo shot. Yeah. And I think that ending works for the book. But I also think that given what the movie changes about both characters and the way that they interact with each other, the movie's ending is also brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I think given like the slightly different directions that each story takes, both endings work equally well and are equally tragic just for different reasons. I agree completely. And so the movie's ending, like you said, uh, is or like we mentioned earlier, is that uh, Rambo just gets he talk he breaks down in, in front of Troutman after Tiesel's injured. And then uh, basically we don't even see it, but. After he breaks down, we just see him walking out of the police station under arrest. And we just, he just gave up, basically. He's just mm-hmm. like, he's just done. He's he's spent and he gives up and he's arrested. And then the movie just ends. There's no 
there's no denouement. There's no uh, post credit, you know, like, <laughs> and then Rambo went to went to rehabilitation <laughs> and then uh, blah, blah, blah. Living happily on a Samuel pl- L. Jackson shows up and says, yeah. I'm here to talk to you. About I mean, the, the movie does initiative. slightly ruin it by having a terrible credit song that makes <laughs> that totally does not fit. I was so thrown. <laughs> it does not fit like that movie. The ending. Uh, the thing is that the ending of the movie is really good and it would but it would be so much better if it just he walked out under arrest and then it and then it cut or like and then it ended and then it just faded to black and the credits rolled over like nothing yeah or like a somber song like but like it plays like a it like freeze frames on it freeze him. frames and plays like a like a fun like it's a, not fun but it's like a weird like 80s, 80s ballady thing yeah. it's very strange it, it to me it totally did not make any sense but um, so that's the ending that that's the ending of mm-hmm. Rambo the movie. There is an alternate ending that was filmed. And I think it's really interesting. Uh, and you can actually watch it on YouTube if you if you search uh, Rambo or First Blood alternate ending, you can find it on YouTube and watch it. I assume it's probably on one of the special features or something on a DVD or Blu-ray. Um, and in that, from my understanding, everything happens pretty much the same, but at the end he walks after he breaks down in front of Troutman, he walks up to Troutman. And says and 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 asked basically asked Troutman to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Troutman or he pulls Troutman's gun out and gives it to him and or pulls a gun out and hands it to Troutman and, and basically begs him to kill him. And Troutman is pointing the gun at him and seems to be considering it, but then doesn't. He pulls the gun away to like put it away, and Rambo grabs it and pulls it and shoots himself mm-hmm. like while Troutman's holding it, mm-hmm. and he falls over and he dies. And Troutman walks out and the movie ends. And that scene or that ending is as I was watching the movie, I was like thinking that that something like that should be the ending. Mm-hmm. And it it's a it's a brutal ending. It's a, it's it's closer to the book. Yeah. Or so does Troutman just actively shoot him or does he actively shoots him? OK. Yeah. To like stop him or. Yeah. Okay. Basically. OK. Um, because yeah, in the book, so the movie changes the, that alternate movie ending changes it slightly so that Rambo's responsible um, and kills himself essentially. But I thought that was a really like it's a brutal ending, and it's it would have been a whole different movie. And now obviously, part of the reason they didn't do that is if they can't make sequels if he's dead. Yeah, but gotta get that money. I kind of like that ending, but I also kind of prefer the movie's actual ending. Of him just being arrested and taken away. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they had never made a sequel. But, <laughs> be, and, and part of that reason is because what we discussed earlier, the fact that Rambo doesn't kill anybody. Mm-hmm. He's not like a lost cause, as we see in the movie. Yeah. He's not like a, he's, he's kind of a broken, he's definitely a broken person, but he's not a lost cause like i said he he can he he at the beginning of the movie he's he's living in society he's trying to do his best he's you know he's doing his thing but he he gets pushed and pushed and then breaks mm-hmm. and then snaps but even when he snaps in the movie he's not he doesn't snap so far that he just kills anybody and we even have a particular scene in the movie that we didn't talk about where he comes across a a hunting a kid hunting or something like yeah. that and has a chance to kill him but doesn't um, and then that kid ends up like directing the cops to him or whatever. But so we see that he's not like completely lost. And I think that to- like 
thematically it makes more sense in the movie to not have him kill himself even though in the moment in the movie i kind of thought that would make the most sense when i thought about it more i think the movie's ending of him just giving up yeah makes makes more thematic sense than him killing himself i know they're both kind of quote unquote giving up in a sense but i think him turning himself in feels better as a film or feels better as a as a not solution um resolution mm-hmm. <laughs> add a syllable as a resolution for the film but also just makes more sense for his character in the changes that they made in the movie whereas if maybe in the book when he's just he's he is just murdering everybody and he is just it, the the book's version is more of a commentary on the system and what it does to people and he's the example for you as a reader look what look what we do to soldiers and what we make them become Mm-hmm. feel bad about it now he's dead feel bad whereas the movie is like that but also maybe we can help them you know what i mean yeah. like yeah i agree with that like they're not monsters we can help them so like there's a there's a, i think there's a good message in both of those yeah like the mo- the book leans a little harder and is a little more like coming at you with it or like is is a little more critical of the society as a whole Whereas the movie does that, but is also trying to make sure that we're not demonizing soldiers. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's trying to. So I think they're both really good. And I like the movie's ending. The alternate ending also could work. I don't hate it, but it's just different. Um, So, yeah, those are the endings. Uh, They're all have their merits in their different (laughs) contexts. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Final verdict. Let's do it. No. Are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterward. Okay, I want to preface my final verdict since we talked about um, Tiesel being a, a Korean vet. Yeah. Um, and like how I may have not known to like read into that aspect of it. So if you read the book, if you like the book potentially I got a different read on it than you did. So, But I think that can also be a mark of good writing and yeah. good storytelling yeah. when you can get different reads on things. So um, I felt a little bit torn for my final verdict on this one. I think both mediums set out to achieve something pretty similar, which is to highlight the plight of the Vietnam vet, but they approach it from slightly different angles. I think the movie's choice to make Rambo more sympathetic is a good one. Um, in the book, he's not exactly not sympathetic, but he does kill a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, uh, We get a lot of his inner monologue about he, how he feels himself sliding back into his old mindset of just like killing indiscriminately, which is a great jab at the war complex, but maybe not so great for endearing an audience to a character. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and while the book doesn't necessarily sympathize with Teasel, we do get a lot of his backstory. We find out what makes him tick. So while he is still a dick and arguably the villain of the story, he's much more multidimensional rather than the kind of one-dimensional villain that we get in the movie. So when I read it, I felt like what the book set up was almost like a Shakespearean tragedy. Rambo and Teasel are at odds with one another, but they also have a lot in common. And if it wasn't for a handful of factors, this story 
could have had a happy ending, which is what a tragedy is. Um, You know, if Rambo had been able to communicate what he had been through, or if Teasel had stopped to empathize and find out what his story was, maybe they could have gotten along. Maybe they could have even been friends. Yeah. Yeah, you get that feeling, and you get a little bit in the movie, but it sounds like the book does it a lot better. Is that yes, a hundred percent? You, it, it's it's an indictment of the system because yeah. both of these people are very similar, but in different ways. Yes. Like, and they just can't see how similar they are, and it's fascinating, and uh, it's it's really it's really good, and I think the movie does it well in different ways. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I agree. So the movie also gives us a tragedy, albeit a slightly different one. The movie gives us a more sympathetic war vet and a more stock character villain, which effectively broadens the scope of the story from two tragically flawed individuals to a tragically flawed system. Yeah. One that doesn't take care of its veterans and puts bullies into positions of power. Mm -hmm. I think both stories are interesting in different ways. Um, I think the version that is still awfully um, salient and relevant today is the movie. And for that reason, I'm going to give this one to the movie. There you go. Woo! I, I can't disagree. I think this movie is completely... I think that was one of the things that also most impressed me about the film, uh, not to get into anything along here before we wrap up, was was how salient it still is yeah. as a film. It, it it just felt like it had so much still to say about power dynamics and police and, and, and authority and, like I said, yeah. I said at the beginning, obedience and trauma. It just, it felt, it feels like it'll be eternally timeless or Oh, timely how much we do not learn yeah I, it just feels like it'll be eternally timely and it's one of those movies that when you if if you literally shot for shot remade it and obviously you shouldn't do this but if you shot for shot remade it today it would be it would still make just as much sense to mm-hmm. like a modern audience uh, i think you could tweak a few things um but i i think that it, yeah it would still just be just as important um of a film uh, as it is, or, you know, a modern version would still just be as resonate yeah. as much with audiences as, as it does. It did in 1970, whatever. And I would implore you if you are listening to this and you have not seen first blood yeah. and you like we did only yeah. have this idea 100%. of Rambo that comes from our cultural mythology of yeah. him, please watch this movie. Yeah. Please, you know, and, and and it's interesting because it's not dissimilar from Rocky, yeah. In that regard, is that Rocky? You know, you get the, all the sequels, and then you get the cultural idea of what Rocky is, and you think it's just a dumb boxing movie. And the first Rocky movie is not just a dumb boxing movie, uh, and and it's been a long time since I've seen Rocky, but I think it's similar in that regard. We get the the sort of cultural idea of what this character Rocky mm-hmm. or Rambo is. And the original movies that those characters both come from have a lot more to say. Yeah. And are a lot more um, poignant and meaningful and just uh, interesting than than we as a society yeah. give them credit than for. Than just big tough guy. Yeah. Blows up things yeah. or punches things. Absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, that's a, a great point. Brilliant. All right. That's it. That's our first blood episode. Uh, I'm going to say this now. That's the best episode we've done in a while. Just just throwing that out there. You can agree or disagree, but really enjoyed that. 
Uh, as always, you can do us a giant favor. You can head on over to patreon.com slash this film is lit and support us for as much or little money as you can. Um, and we mentioned at the beginning, not going to go over what you get at all those levels. Uh, just head over to Patreon. You can check that stuff out. Uh, you get bonus content. We're actually, uh, within the next day or so after this episode comes out, we'll be putting out a bonus patron only episode where we discuss new girl, lost girl, and a little bit of Shit's Creek. <laughs> uh, very drunk. Um, we recorded that a, a week or two ago. Uh, it's edited. Uh, I'm going to put it out uh, Thursday or Friday this week after uh, this episode comes out on Wednesday. Um, and if you're a $5 patron or up, uh, you get access to uh, our bonus content, and that is one of the episodes. So if you've seen New Girl, if you've seen Lost Girl and want to talk about that or want to hear us talk about that, you can check out that bonus episode. I, I, I will preface this for our patrons here. I'm gonna also going to put a disclaimer on the episode. We were both quite tipsy, me in particular, little drunk during that episode. Um, I edited it down quite a bit, so it's more <laughs> listenable than it would have been, shall we say. Uh, but if that's, you know. But it was still a lot of fun, and we talked a lot about a lot of things. Uh, lots of themes throughout some different shows and uh, discussions of sexuality and that sort of thing, which was I thought interesting. Um, you're way more eloquent than us because I remember us having a nice conversation. Oh, it was nice. I was just repeating myself a lot, and I, now I will say in the episode after I edited it, I cut it out. I cut out myself repeating myself a lot, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, listening back on that one, I mean, we recorded that at like one in the morning or something, and I cut uh, a lot of me repeating myself out. So, anyways, you can check that out on our Patreon feed. If you can't support us, we understand and we still appreciate you. Thanks for listening. You can do us a giant favor. You can head to iTunes and leave us a five star rating and a review. Uh, it's very helpful to us. It bumps us up in the rec. I don't even know. It doesn't. It does something. It, it's helpful. So leave <laughs> algorithms. Us, yeah, algorithms. <laughs> algorithms. Do something. Uh, on, on iTunes that'll be helpful Katie what's next so up next we are doing a listener's choice this is something that I've wanted to do for a while mm-hmm. um, we are going to be talking about a Disney fairy tale so I've mentioned before on the show uh, fairy tales are kind of my oeuvre mm-hmm. they're my wheelhouse yep. um, I did a collection of fairy tales for my master's thesis project yes you did um, and this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. We might need to revisit some of our usual segments. I don't know if they'll all work. Probably not. But, um, but at any rate, we have polls up right now yes. on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram asking you guys to choose a movie for us. Um, I put a longer list out for our patrons and, and they, they, they helped us narrow down the field to three. So our choices right now are Beauty and the Beast. Tangled and Frozen. And I believe right now Tangled is in the lead. Although it's a very tight competition. I think is, Beauty and yeah. the Beast is also fairly close still. Yeah, they're they're kind of neck and neck. Beaten out Frozen. But yeah. uh, if, if you're listening and you want to go sway that vote, you have how long? Um, I will announce that on oh. Sunday. Oh, will, so I will, they have till Saturday yes, or Yes, so? they have till Saturday, okay. so I'll announce the winner on Sunday. Li- yeah, if you're listening to this when it comes out, you have till Saturday, so you have like three or four days. Um, head to our Facebook or Twitter, uh, or if you're on Instagram, you can comment and we'll mm-hmm. count that too, but Twitter and Facebook have the polls. Uh, and go ahead and, and vote on there, and then we will announce the winner and uh, on the next prequel episode, and you'll know what we'll do, it, what we're doing, so... 
that'll be fun. Uh, we've I've seen all those movies, of yes. course, obviously. <laughs> we've watched all those movies together. Yeah, we've watched all those movies together. Um, but I am interested to see. I voted for Beauty and the Beast. I not voted, to sway anybody. I, I voted for Beauty and the Beast as well, not to sway anyone. Um, if Tangled wins, I won't be mad. No. Uh, I wouldn't be mad if any of them win. I yeah. like Frozen quite a bit, too. I, I, I just think, to me, I'm more interested. One, uh, I will say that I will say this. This is a little bit of a swaying. I would like to hear Katie talk about Beauty and the Beast because she's got feelings. So I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about the way that the story gets reinterpreted in modernity. Yes. A lot of thoughts. Yes. So that's, that's my only uh, sort of two cents into where how you should vote is that Katie has feelings it'll about just be an hour of me beauty going off so if you want to hear katie rant uh vote for beauty and the beast but she also has appealing opinions about the other ones and yes we're, we'll be happy to do any of them so uh, go ahead and check that out on all of our social media and vote that's it until next time guys gals non-binary and everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies and, and keep, keep being, being awesome, awesome.